0: Ancestors surround us. Welcome to Advancing the Art of Aging. I'm Carol Silver Elliott, President and CEO of the Jewish Home Family, a continuum of services for older adults located in northern New Jersey. And I am so happy to have as my guest today, Melanie Cohen, who is the Executive Director of the Jewish Home Foundation. Melanie, thanks for being with us again.
1: Thank you for asking me again. It's a pleasure.
0: So there's always so much to talk about when we talk about the foundation. And one of the things that we really wanted to spend a few minutes on is our upcoming golf and tennis classic because I feel like we need a drum roll here. It is our first in-person event in about as long as I can remember at this point in time. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you managed last year with events, just briefly, and then let's talk about the decision process to do an in-person event.
1: Well, in in 2018, we celebrated our 25th anniversary of the event. It's been uh, a, a marvelous event for us, not only as a fundraiser, but uh, as uh, a touch to the community. We have uh, all kinds of folks, family members, vendors, members of the community that we don't normally see come out to support the Jewish home. And as we were just beginning our planning for 2019, which happens in February and then in March, uh, the pandemic hit. And uh, we thought we were being brilliant by postponing the date. We originally had a June date, and we thought- I think you
0: mean 2020, not 2019, right?
1: 2020.
0: Yeah, okay. Just making sure we're in the same pandemic year and I didn't miss one somewhere. Right. And
1: we started our planning and we thought that we were being brilliant. We had a date in early June and we thought by far we would be okay and we delayed it until July. But as the months uh, crept by, we realized by mid to end of April that there was no way we were going to do an in-person event And we rely very heavily on the event uh, as far as our our annual fundraising. And someone suggested that we attempt to do uh, a Zoom event. And we scratched our heads for a little while. How could we make this effective? And the only way that we thought we could attract people to not only being on the Zoom but supporting us financially with sponsorships was to have a, a few very recognizable names, sporting names, uh, that would be on the Zoom with us uh, live and uh, to offer their perspective on sports and life in general during the pandemic. Uh, It was wildly successful. It was really Our first attempt, it was very early on in the pandemic, and we weren't really that adept at Zoom yet. Um, We did hire a a consultant that helped us through it, uh, and we had had close to 200 people on the Zoom, and we actually did very well financially. I think people enjoyed it.
0: That's great, and I know you had other virtual events, but this year for the golf and tennis, this is... A, a live event. So how did that come to be?
1: So again, uh, after the months passed and uh, the two t- 2020 year was o- was over and we rolled into 2021, we begin to think about our, our spring event, which is the, the golf outing. And the question was in January and February, did we think we were going to be able to do it? So we had conversations with a number of people, most especially with the country club that uh, is the host to the event Montami, uh, and they assured me that uh, in late August and early September of 2020, uh, they were able to do limited outings uh, with, of course, certain COVID rules in place. So we decided to, uh, we decided to take a chance, and we, we scheduled uh, with certain, you know, certain alterations to previous years, we're being very conservative. One of the things that has grown over recent years is our uh, card game portion of the outing. Uh, a lot of folks who don't play tennis or golf wanted to participate in some way, and we've had a variety of card tournaments, canasta, uh, poker, and we have mahjong players, and in 2019, we had over 60 of those. And we felt this year that, that it would not be safe for people to sit in a closed room indoors at one table uh, with lots of contact to Mahjong tiles and cards. So we did eliminate that portion of the event this year. And we hope, of course, next year that it will be back. Uh, we've asked those participants who have participated in that for years and years, to make a very small donation just to support the event. And we're getting very good support.
0: That's great.
1: As far as the the rest of the day is concerned, uh, tennis, of of course, is outdoors. And uh, it's one of the few sports that uh, you're distanced from your opponents. So we feel very comfortable with the tennis portion of the the day. And uh, golf has been played throughout the pandemic, really, with you know, with certain restrictions. The golf carts are sanitized between each use. Uh, people, who, uh, people who are vaccinated and know each other uh, and are confident can sit together in a golf cart, and we've given people some options. Uh, we do provide caddies for the day, and it's interesting. Uh, this year, you can have a regular caddy, or you can have what is called a contactless caddy. And most often, caddies uh, carry your your clubs, and they touch the clubs. So uh, if people are, are iffy about a caddy touching your golf clubs, they will be contactless. So they will help you find the ball, uh, get through the golf course, uh, help you out through the day, but they're not going to touch any of your personal belongings.
0: Interesting. Well, I, it's a real sign of the times, I guess, in so many ways, but... I know there's a huge amount of excitement at the idea that we're actually going to be together as people are saying IRL in real life. Right. We, it's been a long, long time. It was
1: interesting because as as March and April rolled through, uh, I wasn't certain what kind of a response we would get from the community. But uh, we actually, uh, we may have a record turnout as far as golf is concerned. We have uh uh, over 110 registrants wow. for, for the golf portion of the day. Um, we offer a, 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 a beautiful brunch for our participants, and we normally have a sit-down dinner. So this is where we had to make a few smart adjustments as well. Our caterer has been very cooperative. Uh, the brunch will be touchless. Uh, uh, folks who are uh, our guests will not be serving themselves at the brunch. They will be served by servers uh, behind uh, plastic partitions and properly gloved and masked. And uh, we will be having that portion of the day, as well as the uh, the evening portion of the day, in an open tent outdoors. And while we normally have a uh, sit down dinner at the conclusion of the golf outing. We are not going to do that. We didn't want to seat people at tables. We're having a lavish cocktail hour.
0: I think that's a perfect compromise. And it's really exciting to think that so many golfers are coming out this year. I think there's a lot of pent up desire to be together. But I also think there's a lot of pent up desire to show support for organizations like the Jewish family.
1: Absolutely.
0: That's really exciting. We have a lot of other events to talk about, but in the interest of time, I'm gonna make a complete pivot and shift gears here because the other area that we wanted to talk about with respect to the work of the foundation is quite different, but also equally engaging for the community. And that is our our, our archives. Say that five times fast. The archives are something that you have been intimately involved in developing. Can you sort of walk us through how they came about and then we'll talk about what exists and how people can access it? Well, as
1: you know, the organization has been around since 1915. And just prior to our 100th anniversary, uh, a member of the board mentioned the fact that we had cartons and cartons and filing cabinets full of historical items with regard to the organization. And wouldn't it be great if we could preserve them in some way and uh, offer the most interesting uh, to the community as a historical archive? uh, At the time, I knew zero about archiving, uh, but a very quick learning curve was necessitated. Mm -hmm. And I did speak to some archiving experts, and we spoke to a few people at universities who do archives. Uh, We spoke to a few local historical archives, and uh, we decided that we could do it. And um, I actually took an archiving course, a very short archiving course. Believe it or not, such exists. And there are actually books on archiving, which I used as resources. And then what we needed was a vehicle to store and be able to access this data. And we actually uh, used a consultant who really developed uh, through another application, an archive application. And we began loading in thousands and thousands of very interesting photos dating back to the early 1900s. We found original documents with our original licenses and um, a lot of organizational materials as well as photos of supporters over the years and our events. And as we got farther and farther into it over the years, we we began to archive all of our current materials, our newsletters, our annual reports, our journals for as far back as we could find them. And they're all available uh, on our website. There is a link Says archives, and it takes you right to the archive, and you can go through it and uh, put just about anything in, and whatever is in the archive will pop up. The interesting thing is that it's not—it's <laughs> not only digital, but of course we have to. We, the idea of an archive is that you preserve the materials, so we have a, a portion of a room which is properly shelved. And protected, and you put the archive materials in special paper and special boxes that are developed to preserve these things. Um, and they all have numbers and letters and boxes and and file numbers, uh, and they all go in there. And we have a an archive registry with a hard copy of everything that we have archived. We have, as of, last, as of last year, we caught up on all of our historical information, and now we're just archiving from year to year.
0: That's really an amazing project, and what a labor of love.
1: It was a labor of love. <laughs> it was very, very interesting, and uh, as I said, there was a learning curve, but uh, we got where we needed to get to.
0: That's awesome. Are people accessing the archives? Do people go and look for things? And, and It's very
1: interesting. Every once in a while I get a phone call from someone who uh, either had a loved one uh, at the Jewish home over the years and they're sure that there were photos of mm-hmm. them. Um, originally, of course, the Jewish home was, was founded originally as an orphanage, and I've even had phone calls from... From children and grandchildren who believe that their uh, their family member, their loved one, had actually been an orphan wow. uh, in in the Jewish home. Unfortunately, we none of the orphanage records uh, were carried through. We have we have no record of them. And I c- I can't help them. But many other people have gone on the site and uh, looked at. Uh, just interesting things, you know it's always it's always a lot of fun and there's always there's always a bit of inquisitiveness about looking at things that are a hundred years old. Uh, yeah. you know and and the very f- the very, very early photos of um, of nursing care and of medical equipment are uh, it's just fascinating.
0: it really is amazing too, that all of that material was still in existence. it you was know, still in existence moved a couple of times and yeah, someone thoughtfully said, you know, this could be important someday.
1: Exactly. And um, not all of it was, was readily accessible. And some of it wasn't in the greatest condition, you know, tossed in cardboard boxes, which you said have been moved two and three times. And uh, a good part of the work and the man hours uh, had to do with sorting through sure. materials and organizing them.
0: It's just amazing, you know. I think about even in our own lives, I am the ultimate throw-it-away person. So if, you know, at some future point in time, future generations were like, oh, let me dig around and see what exists, they could probably find the photos digitally archived. But everything else has, has been passed through my hands and, and gone. And, you know, it's so wonderful that those materials existed and that, you know, you really spent the time and made the commitment, what a perfect way to celebrate 100 years by preserving that history for future generations, really unlimited future generations. Are you still adding to the archives? We do, we do. Uh,
1: every uh, January and February, we go back and we uh, go through the important materials uh, from the previous oh, year. That's great. Whether th- whether it's uh, photography, from our two in-person events uh, all of our newsletters all of our annual reports um, any brochures that we produce as an organization those go into the archives so it's it's fairly complete and very much up to date
0: so melanie if somebody wants to see the archives what should they do
1: well, there's two ways they can go directly to our website, uh, JewishHomeFamily.org, and uh, it's 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 right there. There's a link in one of the headers that says archives, or you can circumvent if you don't want to go to the website. You can go to uh, JewishHomeFamily/slash archive, and that would be a direct link.
0: That's great, and. I'll ask you one final question. If someone's interested in the golf and tennis classic, what should they do?
1: That would be wonderful. All they need to do is give me a call at 201-750-4231, or they can email me at any time, mcohen at Jewishhomefamily.org.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for being our guest today. You're welcome. All of
1: the children rise, elders with wisdom rise, ancestors surround us rise.